Well, good morning. I am extremely excited to be with you all this morning, uh, to be able to share in this capacity today. Um, and I hope that you're excited as well. Uh, usually when I prepare for a sermon, I, I try to articulate well. I try to pay attention to what words I use and what I don't use and kind of the setup of the sermon and what today's going to look like. And even as we met with our, our worship team and, and helping plan this out, you might have noticed some rocks in your seat. Um, and while I try to be careful, I maybe don't think through everything. I didn't realize that maybe now you have ammunition if things go south. Um, about how maybe some of your younger brothers are going to put it up their nose, right? Okay, so siblings, watch out for, for that. Um, so maybe I didn't think through everything. But you've noticed the rock. And if you, if you didn't notice the rock, you might want to check. Because um, there was a rock there. Um, so make sure that you have that with you today. And we'll all allude to that throughout the sermon but really it's going to come into play at the end. So just hold on tight, hold on to the rock. If you're curious about it, maybe hold it in your hand. If you feel the need to put it in your purse or in your pocket, that's okay too. But don't lose the rock, okay? Um, well, my name's Pastor Jay. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my wife Faith and I, we've been here about eight months now. And since I have the mic and you're in some way required to listen to me, I, I want to take advantage of that by saying this. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you have loved Faith and I and welcomed us with warm arms and your hospitality and our transition here. And we love being here and we love serving you and serving with you and serving Jesus with you. And so just thank you for, thank you for that. Uh, Alex mentioned earlier that snow has definitely thrown a few curveballs. But I'm glad that we're here to worship today. But I also understand Maybe you've missed a couple weeks, maybe all the way back in January 6th, which felt like nine snowstorms ago, that we maybe lost track of, of the series we've been going through, and I know last week we had some ice and, and not perfect conditions either. So I want to take some time, maybe a Spark Notes version of, of catching us up to speed here. Uh, the big picture, or the goal of this series, is that in consideration of everything going on around us, in consideration of our busy schedules, in consideration of maybe our crumbling relationships, in consideration of our victorious job promotions, maybe the loss of a loved one, and all these things, how are we posturing ourselves to be still with Jesus? Uh, Pastor Alex has invited us and at the same time challenged us to take time every day in the month of January to be still with God, and hopefully you're working through your prayer journals that you have. But here's the two-week synopsis of, of what's taken place the last few weeks. Week one, back on January 6th, we learned that when we neglect taking time to be still with God, we set ourselves up to be consumed by the things that keep us busy. That was week one. Hitting the pause button in our lives is absolutely necessary in our walk with Christ. In week two, we learn that we are called to more than a mission or any type of membership, but we are called to a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called, we are invited by God to know God. And being still is our primary method in knowing who God is. Um, so if our be still 
series, if it was a four-layer cake, we have the first two layers, right, have been beautifully crafted by Alex, but now we're at layer three. And I think what you might find with layer three is it's absolutely part of the cake, but it might taste a little different. might have a little bit different flavor than what you used to, but I, I want to encourage you to hold on to that because I think that we have something to learn within this third layer. And so today, hopefully, we'll walk away with a new perspective on the areas of our life where, despite culture, despite even some of our natural tendencies, that we understand that being still with Jesus is still the best response. Uh, One thing I love to do as a pastor is to study, to read, to learn new information, and not just what you might call spiritual books, or books that are where I'm reading a passage of scripture and I'm studying that passage, but I like, I like to read a lot of different books. Uh, and something I've found a, a real kick on is understanding the human body. Uh, I, I think I've realized that the better we understand the human body, who, that which God has created, it, it helps us to better worship our creator. And I've determined in my scratch-the-surface research of the human body that the brain is absolutely incredible. And some of you can speak to this um, much better than I can. But the brain is amazing. And one thing that I love about the brain, and one thing that amazes me about the brain, is the ability that when we learn new information, it can totally change the way that we respond. None of our outside circumstances might change, but simply by learning new information, our brains naturally respond to the situation, to adapt to what is going on. Uh, For example, uh, William H. Willimon, who is a professor at Duke Divinity School, observed a research project with the intention of it being a brain study. And so there were two groups of people. There was group A and group B. And all of these patients were put through the same exact test. Um, group A was told by the doctors when they went in for the test, after they were hooked up, their brain was hooked up to a, a scanner, that they were going to be given a shot, and this wasn't going to hurt at all. Group B, same doctor, same situation, same room, except they were told by the doctors, buckle up, this is going to hurt. And you never want to be told that by a doctor. But it was the same situation, except they were told different things. Based on the scans that came back from the brain, group A, this isn't going to hurt at all, their brain activity in that part of the brain was nearly rest, restless, and registering pain. Group B experienced two to five times more pain than group A simply because of what they were told. Because of the way that the brain and they kind of braced themselves. So their bodies adjusted based on the knowledge that they had. So when our brains take in new information, it can totally change the way that we respond the way that we react, and even the way our bodies handle situations. When I read up on news, sometimes I hear a lot of fear. I hear a lot of pain. I hear a lot of things that encourage me to worry, that encourage me to stress. I hear a lot of doctors telling me that this is going to hurt, that there's going to be pain. But my real worry is that our brains have been so conditioned to bad news that the way our body responds is completely out of line with the good news response that Jesus is inviting us into. 
And as we prepare to read our passage today, I just, I want to tell you one thing. I want to make, I want to make a positive deposit into your brain today that maybe will allow your bodies to posture yourselves a little bit differently. I want to say this. If you came in today with anxiety, if you came in today with stress, if you came in today overwhelmed or facing a battle that just seems impossible to overcome, I am confident that the God of hope wants to enter into that situation today. So there's the positive affirmation. Your brains know it. Your bodies adjust to it. So let's jump into the text. Uh, Exodus 13, verses 17 through 18, and then we'll jump into a little bit with Exodus 14. Um, But starting with Exodus 13, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Exodus 14, verse 8. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have, better, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites are finally free. This is big news. This is good news. This is a dream come true. The Israelites are free, and this is a great day for God's people. Captivity is behind them in the promised land is in front of them. And that's what they're looking forward to. But quickly, after their freedom parade, we find ourselves in the text that we read today. And in this text, what we find is two responses. We find two responses. Both of these responses are from the Israelites. But both of these responses, I think, are often responses that we have. 
Um, maybe you've experienced both of these responses. Maybe you find yourself leaning toward one other than the other. But regardless, there's also an invitation to a third response, the third layer of the cake, if you will, that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of. So let's consider that third layer. So let, first, let's talk about response number one. Response number one from the Israelites is this. Grab your sword. Exodus thirteen eighteen. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Exodus 14, 8, very similar. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Uh, when I was in high school, I had the privilege of playing varsity basketball for four years at Dayton Christian. And while I was there, two years, my freshman and sophomore year, we had, I had one coach. Um, and then that coach went on to something else, and I had a new coach for my junior and senior year. And between the two coaches, there was different defensive schemes, there was different uh, play calling, there was different strategies, and even from game to game, depending on what opponent you're playing, you're going to focus on different things. You're going to uh, guard and focus on certain players, you're going to draw your defense up differently and your plays differently. But one thing that remained the same through all four years of high school basketball was this mantra. We bring the fight to them. And in basketball, what's that mean? That means that we are going to outwork, we are going to outhustle. It's not you make a mistake, we forced you to make that mistake. It's pressuring the ball, getting ahead. We bring the fight to them. We don't wait for them to bring the fight to us. And this war room mentality is not just a locker room theme, it's not just a, it's a war theme, it's Oftentimes we find a life theme, something that we have bought into. Our culture persuades us that having our defenses ready, that having our swords in hand is the best way to posture ourselves when conflict arises and when battles come. We live in a country that far outspends any other military um, defenses uh, than any other country. Uh, we live in the country where, according to Amazon, alarm systems are continually one of the top Christmas gifts every single year. The way that we posture ourselves is often in a defensive way, and we've almost been wired to respond this way. Grab your sword. Now, I, I don't want to speak negatively about that, because, because of grab your sword people, I think our schools, our churches are becoming safer. Um, I think there have been some positive things that have occurred because of this type of mentality. We just did a NAS safe training yesterday to increase um, security in the children's wing and to, so that you walk in, you have this feeling this is a safe place and that is a great thing. But sometimes our lifestyle, when we grab our swords, we're ready for our defenses, sometimes we're a little too anxious to run into the fight. Sometimes we're too anxious to be the person who hits the game-winning shot, not the person who sets the screen for that person. We were too anxious to be the person in Script Ohio who dots the I instead of the one who does everything leading up to it, right? We're anxious to be the one marching out to battle with our sword in hand, with the focus on us. 
So that's response number one for Israelites. Ready for battle, grab your sword. So if you're taking notes, here's response number two. Wave your white flag. Exodus 14, 10 through 12 says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites, they looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord, which is interesting considering they were just ready to march out for battle. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let, the, uh, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. It was the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And I, was a, in, I had an internship with a youth pastor at Marion First Church of the Nazarene, which is about, and it's, it's a few hours away from here in northern Ohio, but there's about 60 to 70 kids, and one week the youth pastor sat me down, and he said, we gotta talk. And that, you know, never portrays a positive thing. You know, I don't I never feel good when I hear that. So he sits me down and says, Jay, I am taking a new assignment. I'm gonna be going to North Carolina to be the youth pastor, and we were about halfway through the internship. And I was learning so much. I was so saddened at the thought that I wasn't going to be able to continue to learn underneath him. But maybe this was the selfish part of me, but part of me, my eyes lit up. I might have an opportunity to serve as an intern, as an interim youth pastor, and that opportunity excited me. So the very next week, the lead pastor uh, requested a meeting with me. Once again, not always exciting, but I sat down, had the meeting, and he asked if I would be willing to stay on through my senior year of college and be the interim youth pastor while they look for a youth pastor. And it's going to be about 20 hours a week. It was going to be an hour commute, you know, each way to Marion. But I said, you know what, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. Yes, I'm all in. Then the next week, right after I accepted that opportunity, the university chaplain and the director of student life call and say, we need to talk. Once again, I don't know, I'm not too thrilled about this conversation. I didn't know what to expect, but I said, okay, let's talk. Um, I was going to be serving as the student chaplain, and so I was on student government. I thought it was something student government related. So as we sat down and talked, um, they informed me that our current student body president was going to be transitioning uh, to a great opportunity in a new location in Cincinnati. And... So I said, okay, you know, so you know, what are we going to do? And they said, well, that's why we're here. We were wondering if you'd be willing to step in as a student body president for the, your senior year. I said, oh, man, this is a dream come true. Like, I would absolutely love to. And, of course, it has to be voted on by the council and voted on by the students. But they wanted to hurry this process up. So I was a little concerned about my schedule and maybe the stress that comes along with it. But this was a dream come true. So I had to say yes, and I told them yes. Let's do this, I can't wait. We move into school, classes haven't started yet, I've been commuting back and forth, it's been a little stressful, uh, but things are okay. When homework piles up, I didn't know how I was gonna handle it, but for now, I was, I was doing okay. Classes started on Monday, but currently it's Sunday. And on Sunday, the day before school, it is tradition that we get a huge group of guys and we go down to the gym and we play basketball for like five hours before school starts because once school starts, your freedom starts to dwindle a little bit. 
So we go down, we play basketball. I've been playing for about 10 minutes and I receive the inbounds pass from one of my buddies. And I go and I turn, I take a dribble and I collapse. And my knee blew out. Of course, the pain level rose. I didn't care what the doctor told me. <laughs> the pain level rose, and so did my stress level a little bit. So I go to the doctor. Three weeks later, I, I had knee surgery, and I was on crutches for nine weeks, about a year's worth of recovery. Um, wasn't going to be able to play basketball that year. But besides that, I had this new interim position. I was student body president, and I've already missed half my classes early into the year. I've, my wife has, well, I guess we were engaged at the time. Faith and I, she's been driving me back and forth to Marion. I was in a straight leg brace on my right knee, and I, I couldn't drive for six weeks or so, and she's been sacrificing her time. Um, student life was, didn't have life. I mean, it was, things were struggling, and I, I a month into school, I was, dreams come true had quickly turned into me wanting to wave my white flag. Um, I was ready to be done with something. The Israelites were free. This was their dream come true. This is the moment they've been waiting for. They were finally on their way to the promised land. But before they could even blink, they found themselves between the Red Sea and thousands of chariots and soldiers in front of them. And they cried out to God, ready to wave their white flag. And I don't share this story to in any way closely compare my white flag story with the Israelites. And I don't, my white flag story is probably very minute compared to many of the realities that you might be facing right now, or have faced. But when fights and battles come, when bad news overwhelms us, we often find ourselves resonating with response number two from the Israelites. We find ourselves waving our white flag. We don't have any more energy. We don't have anything left. We don't see a way out, and we're ready to throw in the towel. And even with God, our load seems a little heavy, and our battles seem a little too big. But listen carefully. Exodus 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, the enemy, the battle you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. Whether you find yourself responding by grabbing the sword, whether you find yourself responding by waving your white flag, the invitation from Jesus, the third layer of the cake is the same for all of us. Don't be afraid. All you need to do is be still. God will fight for you. Two more points. One for each audience that we might have here. First, to the sword-grabbing people. The vo those of us who are ready to march into battle. Those of us who are ready to claim victory for ourselves and whatever comes our way. 
Jesus says, the Lord says this, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, Egyptians so that they will go after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and horsemen. I keep referring to basketball. It's one of my passions. You'll pick, you'll pick up on that. But in a college basketball game in 40 minutes, a lot can happen. A lot of dunks, a lot of great plays, a lot of powerful performances, you know, 30, 40 point games by players. But if that game, no matter how good it was, ends with a game winning shot in the last seconds, you forget everything that happened before that. You walk away and say, did you see that shot? Did you see what was on SportsCenter Top 10? Did you see that highlight play? And there could have been great things done. Nobody's talking about everything done before that. Nobody's talking about the person who set the screen for the guy who was wide open to hit the game-winning shot, right? No, they're talking about the guy who gets all the glory, who gets, receives all the credit, who hit the big shot. God wants to fight so that God can receive the glory. We want to fight sometimes because we want to receive the glory. So for my grab your sword people, is your pride getting in the way of God's battle in your life? Now to my white flag people. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. When fights come our way, when fear enters our hearts, we are paralyzed. We freeze. We can't move. God is, God is telling us that in our stillness, it's time to move. It's time to go forward. It's time to take a step into redemption and a step away from the fight. Is your fear getting in the way of God's battle? It's time for the rocks. Pull out your rock, hold it in your hand, pull it out of your brother's nose, but put your rock in your hand. And I invite you to listen carefully. When the Israelites thought they were free. All too quickly, they found themselves lining up for battle, except this time they knew there was no way out. They thought that battle was behind them. They thought they were done with it. They thought they were free. They thought they were done with the thing holding them down. But once again, they find themselves in a battle. They had been slaves. They had been held captive. They had been malnourished. They had been strategically walking in the desert a little bit longer to avoid another battle as God had been guiding them. They finally got their camp set up, and boom. Red Sea's behind them, thousands of people in front of them, and they felt that their fight was over. They finally felt like it was time to give up. But then their leader, Moses, says, and I'm just gonna keep drilling this into your head, do not be afraid. Stand firm, the Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. All you need to do is be still. Um, As the band comes to end our time together with a song, here's how I want to phrase this question. 
What is your Red Sea battle? What is your Red Sea battle? Um, whether that's the fight your pride has carried you into or the fight that seems impossible to stand up from and to get out of, the fight with your marriage, the fight with your inability to get pregnant, the fight with your finances, with your health, with your addictions, with your secrets, with your past, the fight that hits you in the gut and kicks you when you're down. Um, you might have a Red Sea battle, but you also have a Red Sea God who parts the waters, who makes a way for us to walk, stand up and walk on dry, dry ground. And all we need to do is be still. So as we worship, hold on to your rock, and let's worship this morning.